Hi, everybody. This is George Heffler, and you're listening to The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least, Kira Levy. How are you doing, Kira? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. I was really excited to get this episode going because you actually picked a movie that I had never seen before. Um, Yay! <laughs> yeah, so so this is that's always a, a, a fun experience to get to go through. One of the things I really like about doing this podcast is that I initially had thought about like, oh, I should do a podcast about the worst horror movies ever made. But then I realized very quickly that that would mean I would have to watch a terrible, <laughs> terrible movies. And so this is a nice way to get to watch good, good movies that I haven't seen before. So thank you for doing that. And so just so that we get the usual background, you want to tell us a little bit about your history with horror, kind of where you started off, what got you into it? Sure. So I guess I actually kind of started watching horror movies, I would say in high school. I don't remember what year the movie 1408 came out. Do you remember that? I, I don't remember the exact year, but I do like that okay. movie. I feel like it was when we were in high school. Yeah. Um, so I really liked that movie when I was younger. And then actually when Jerry and I started dating, he kind of got me more into watching movies and he's really into horror. So I just kind of got more into it as that happened. Sure. And just by virtue yeah. of being around him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he like basically forced me to watch movies, but <laughs> luckily I was like enjoying it. And so that came, became one of our hobbies. Was it something that you kind of struggled to get into or was it something that you immediately were like, well, if I have to watch these movies, like I don't mind watching these horror things or was it something did you have to like, ease your way in? Um, I don't think I was ever like scared. Like, mm-hmm. you know how some people won't watch horror just because they're too scared of it. I don't think that was ever my issue. I think it was just that it wasn't a huge hobby of mine. So it wasn't something that I was like really into. Right. But, you know, once I was forced into it. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Now that you're actually a fan of the genre, do you have mm-hmm. a preference for, for subgenre? For subgenre, I um I guess we were talking about this a little bit before. I do really like like paranormal type of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um for example, I really like um like the Conjuring series. Except when they get into like the Annabelle stuff. I don't really like that. But like the two original Conjuring movies I really like. Um and then like we'll talk about today, zombie movies are probably my favorite horror oh, movies. Nice. They're so great. Um, yeah, is, so I'm curious. We also talked about this a little bit prior to actually starting recording. You are in neuroscience, and so I'm wondering, does that impact your predilection for zombie movies? Is it something <laughs> that you're like, oh, I'm in the hard sciences, so I like, uh, I like this thing that could actually, in theory, happen? Certainly, a lot more likely than something like a vampire or something? (laughs) Um, To be honest, I hadn't really thought about it like that before, but um, (laughs) I guess maybe, because sometimes, you know, like how in zombie movies, they have to kind of explain what is going on. Yeah. Um, So in certain situations, it's usually like a virus or something like that. Um, yeah, so I guess in, that's fun in, for me. <laughs> in this movie where there, it's very like science-based, it's at like a lab that there's uh, mm-hmm. the explosion and everything. And so immediately I was like, uh, <laughs> I wonder if this is why she picked it. But that's funny <laughs> that, uh, that you literally hadn't considered it. And it's particularly funny to me that the other genre, subgenre that you named, kind of the paranormal stuff, is sort of the complete opposite where it's, <laughs> it's the, the least explainable phenomenon. 
So I just think that's interesting. Depending on who you're talking to. (laughs) That's true. That's very true. (laughs) So to stop beating around the bush, the movie that we're talking about today is Train to Busan. This is a 2016 movie directed by Sang-ho Yeon. I think I'm saying that correctly. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And he also co-wrote it with Ju Suk Park. And it, it was great. It's really interesting. The, I don't want to say renaissance is not the right word, but South Korea is really kind of, their filmmakers are getting some time in the sun right now. Mm-hmm. Um, this kind of started uh, with Chan Wook Park's Old Boy, which is a, a very famous South Korean movie. But uh, Jun Ho Bong is also a name that people are starting to be aware of. Uh, he did Snowpiercer. He did The Host in 2016, which is another horror movie. He did uh, Okja for Netflix, which is a really good movie that if you have Netflix, I recommend watching. And Parasite is out right now, getting rave reviews by him. And he has he's really a very like socially conscious director. A lot of his films have, have a really strong social message. But that, that kind of permeates into Train to Busan as well. And in addition to Sang Ho Yun, who is the director of Train to Busan, uh, there's also Koganada, who is a director. And he made the movie Columbus in 2017. This is a movie that I don't think a lot of people have seen, but I definitely recommend it. It's it's a really like contemplative movie set in Columbus. I want I think it's Indiana, not not Columbus, Ohio. And uh, it's just really good. So I recommend it to people. So I, I, I think it's really interesting that these South Korean directors are sort of having this kind of boom is this something that you typically explore is is foreign film or are you is this kind of atypical you know so we've seen a couple of the movies that you mentioned so we've seen the host i guess i've explored like some foreign movies actually i took a college class in spanish film um so i guess it's not that foreign to me but we (laughs) kind of stumbled upon this because it was getting great reviews Right. I mean, that's a good enough reason. (laughs) Just to go a little bit further into this uh, director, he this is actually his first live action movie. He had done three movies beyond this that uh, were all animated. And one of them is actually the movie uh, Seoul Station from 2016. It literally came out a month after Train to Busan. And it's an animated prequel to this movie, actually. So it takes place one day prior to Train to Busan and uh, seems to give sort of a little bit more of a ground level look at the beginning of it. So I'm definitely going to check that out too. <laughs> so, yeah, cool. What was that called again? Uh, it's called uh, Soul Station, like the <laughs> the um, capital. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. check that out. We'll start kind of going through the movie and, and as we go, if you want to shout anything out, I'll definitely be stopping to talk about stuff. But the plot for people who are not familiar with this movie. It's not too complicated, which is kind of nice. Sometimes these movies can get a little too uh, wrapped up in themselves trying to explain things or or give too many people time in the sun. And that's not the case here, which I, I, I really admire. I think that it's it's more difficult to keep things tight than it is to, to let them kind of get away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Your main characters are Sok Woo, who is a a hedge fund manager, and his daughter, uh, Suan. Now, right off the bat, Sokwu is, he hits all the, like, check marks for a first ballot entry to the Bad Dad Hall of Fame. <laughs> 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 he, 
he's he buys cutler. her a Wii for her birthday, and she already has one. Yes, exactly. Bad, expensive gift. Check. <laughs> uh, he's cutthroat at a busy but well-paying job. Check. He's in the <laughs> middle of a nasty divorce. Check again. And finally, he missed his daughter's recital. The ultimate oh. sin in a movie. Sad. <laughs> it was. It was sad. But it's it's safe to say that this guy is no good. He's it's it's not necessarily like a cliche, but he does sort of fall into this trope. But it, it, it's in a really nice way where it's you feel comfortable with it. You understand who this guy is immediately. Mm-hmm. As a guy is is driving in South Korea, he hits a deer right away while he's reaching for his phone. Different now, guy, not the dad. Right, right, yes. Different guy is driving through. This is this is actually even before. Th- those are our two main characters, but even before we're introduced to them, there's uh, a guy driving in. He gets past, like, a quarantine zone, and his truck gets sprayed down. And he seems to be some sort of farmer or something. He's talking about his livestock. And the guy who is who is washing down his car says, oh, there was – some minor leak. It's not a big deal. Don't be like, don't be worried about going in because the guy thinks it's a uh, hoof and mouth disease. And so as he waves him in, the guy starts reaching for his phone and he immediately hits a deer. Now, kids do not text and drive. Very dangerous. But <laughs> as he uh, like drives away from the deer, the deer gets back up and it has the like gross blank white eyes with the film over them and it's all grody from getting hit by a car (laughs) and I think that this is a really interesting way that it immediately differentiates itself because it it really makes me curious about what's going on in this world because zombie viruses in most movies don't affect animals beyond humans Mm -hmm. so this is already kind of setting itself up as something different kind of playing with the tropes that zombie movies typically have so uh, th- I think that that's a great opening because it sets up that there's this leak going on. Obviously, the guy is underplaying it. It's very clear. So you, you have this leak. You have interesting zombie right away. I, I just think it's great. Do you, uh, is this something that kind of stood out to you when you were watching it? Yeah, definitely. I thought it was surprising and also just like really creepy to see a zombie deer, which, like you said, you don't normally see in zombie movies. So. Yeah. It's kind of an exciting start and kind of set up the suspense for exactly. when the first like real zombie outbreak would happen. Yeah. And it also lets you know that things, they are beginning already, that this is not something that that we're kind of witnessing the beginning of. If it's already spreading to the wildlife, it's probably a pretty serious uh, situation already. Mm-hmm. So now we finally cut to Siok Wu and his daughter, Sue Ann, and... Like like we said, he it's her birthday and he gives her a Wii. And she is just so upset. She is already <laughs> like she's already clearly a pretty sensitive child. Like I said, their parents are going through the middle of a divorce. Um and she clearly misses her mom. And mm-hmm. and we've seen Suk Woo, the dad, is on pretty nasty terms with the mom. Like they're they're threatening to sue each other. Uh it, it's it's clearly ugly. And all that poor Sue Ann wants for her birthday <laughs> is to go and visit her mom. Uh-huh. She wants to uh, she wants to go to Busan to see her mother. And what's interesting is that she doesn't even want the dad to come. She just wants permission to go by herself. But mm-hmm. she is a very young young kid, and 
after sufficient guilting <laughs> by the daughter and also the dad's mom, so so Sue Ann's grandmother, who is also in the house, he relents and, and he says that he will take her to Busan for her birthday. This kid is really is really great. She does a really good job, and literally two nights ago, I watched uh, The Sixth Sense. So mm-hmm. I already had Haley Joel Osment's performance in my head, <laughs> which is, as far as I'm concerned, the bar for, for child acting. <laughs> That's your and, bar? <laughs> yes. And she doesn't quite hit that, but she gets very close. Oh, yeah. I, I thought she was great. Yeah, she feels very authentic, which is mm-hmm. one of the hardest things to do for a child actor, I think, because they have to be adult and aware enough to be able to communicate the requisite emotions and, and lines of the script, but mm-hmm. still be able to connect to the innocence of being a child enough that it doesn't seem like they're doing that. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I think that she really threads the needle really well here. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. So as they're going to the train, we sort of see some of the other characters that we're going to get to know as they're boarding. There is Sang Hua and his uh, his pregnant wife, Seong Kyung. You're doing I, a really great job. <laughs> thanks. Uh, it, I, I mean, I don't speak there? Korean, so I don't yeah. actually anyone, know, but I think this is a good job. I, it feels like I'm doing okay. Anyone out there, <laughs> if I'm fucking it up i apologize feel free to correct me it, it'll be too late but <laughs> and so there's the two of them there's a high school baseball team there's a rich and egotistical guy there's two elderly women and finally there's a traumatized homeless man he it like he bars himself in the train bathroom much to the chagrin of the rich guy who is trying to get in there. He's just repeating to himself over and over, they're all dead, they're all dead. It's obvious that he knows something that the other people don't know. And I'll be honest, I thought that this guy was patient zero right away. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I, I thought that, like, he was saying that because he felt bad about getting onto the train and basically Mm. dooming everyone. Oh, Uh, that was not the case, uh, it turns out, because as the train departs, a convulsing lady gets on the train with just bites on her and blood all running down her legs. It's nasty. She looks really gross. And I yeah. one other thing I want to shout out to this movie is that the special effects in this are really good, the makeup effects. Oh, yeah. They were awesome. I was going to say that, too. Like, Jerry and I were kind of talking about this last night as we were re-watching the movie, how, like, we... Watched this for the first time a long time ago, maybe a year ago, and for some reason we hadn't remembered how well done it was. Mm-hmm. But watching it last night, like the makeup, the filming, the acting, like it's all really great, which I think is sometimes rare in horror movies. Oh, absolutely, and and I think it's even more rare for all of those things to be good at once. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And- And uh, you mentioned the way that it was filmed as well. I was going to bring this up later, but since it already came up, I'll just talk about it now. Uh, Mm -hmm. One thing I really liked about this movie was that they did this little camera trick where it was way more active when it was focused on one of the zombies. Mm -hmm. When it's just the, the human people talking to each other, it's pretty steady, but you get a bunch of Dutch angles and it's shaking and, and it's like snap zooms and stuff when it's focused on the zombies it's a really interesting way to kind of communicate the energy that the zombies kind of bring. There's immediately that kind of nervous 
frenetic energy that comes right through the screen as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So this girl is in rough shape as she gets on the train, and the train conductor gets the homeless guy out of the bathroom. And there was a great line here that I think sums up the entire message of the movie, where the rich guy says to Sue Ann, the little girl, if you don't study, you'll turn out like this guy. Mm. And she responds to him, my mom told me only bad people say that. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you know what? I'll be damned if she isn't correct, because that dude is a he's bad news. Um, oh man, he was like the worst villain ever. I hated yeah. him. <laughs> yeah, he's really, he sucks big time. Because they kind of put that in your head so early, when that kind of message comes up again and again, it allows them to reinforce it. But you're already in that mindset, so you're a little more receptive to that kind of being the way that this message is going to go, which is something that I like. I like when they don't just kind of tack on a message at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have... You have group A, basically, who's all the living people, (laughs) and you have group B, which is essentially just the lady who uh, is in bad shape, and that's where they're at right now, but the lady who is in rough shape dies, (laughs) and she collapses to the ground, and a different train conductor sees her, starts trying to, like, uh, check if she's alive or whatever, get medical attention for her. The lady who I'm going to call patient zero, so I don't have to just say the lady anymore. (laughs) Um, Patient zero gets up in this really intense rising up that it's very primal, her body posture. Uh It like, she looks like an animal now. And that differentiation is not something that's easy to communicate. I think it's, she feels like something different now. A lot of times, especially, like, don't get me wrong, I absolutely love the Romero zombie movies, but those just feel like people in green paint a lot of the time. (laughs) But with this, like, it truly feels like you're looking at something else. It doesn't feel like a human being anymore, um, Mm -hmm. which really lends to the otherness. It also, I don't don't know if you've seen the, the Silent Hill movies or played any of the games, but the way that she's standing really reminds me of the nurses in Silent Hill. And they have just kind of this weird, like, really stuck-in posture that really puts me on edge. So this this movie called Back to Mind definitely didn't hurt it. So she gets up and attacks this other train conductor. And as that attack is going on, train conductor from Group A joins Group B. And he sees her getting attacked. Train conductor from Group A originally, he starts running back. He is quick to get out of there. And mm-hmm. it's funny because he's he's literally, like, running. He's yelling, like, everyone go. Like, everyone run really quick. <laughs> and I'm like, this is a terrible idea for him to do. <laughs> because, <laughs> like, Stampede. I, yeah, it, it basically, like, causes a riot. And, uh, like, listen, I, I don't have an answer for what he should have done instead. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it just, it seems like there may have been a, a better way to handle it. Sure. Uh, and it's it's funny to me, though, because I've taken a lot of trains in my life between the subway and, like, actual regional rail. And those are not designed for ease of movement. They're designed no, to fit not. people in there. And so as they're all starting to get up and run towards the door, I felt so uncomfortable because I understand the claustrophobia 
that comes with being on those trains and the thought of all those people pressing together and trying to get through the one door set my teeth chattering or just by <laughs> that would have been enough without the zombies that was kind of something i was thinking about with how they obviously purposefully set this movie on a train mm-hmm. it kind of made me think of how like just in inherently travel is already like kind of stressful you know being on like a train where like you don't always know what's happening you don't really know like why the train is stopped for so long or like exactly where to go when you get off the train that's already stressful and then adding you know zombies into the mix just like creates like a super stressful situation yeah it's like it's like a reverse Reese's where they're like you got zombies in my travel plans you got travel plans (laughs) in my zombies and uh, it turned out to just be a terrible combination (laughs) (laughs) and so this this train conductor basically starts this riot but one thing I will say in his credit is that even as he's he's doing this he does stop to help a pregnant lady get out the door ahead of him (laughs) <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm back on board for this guy. <laughs> Good on him. It was really funny and just like, it, it doesn't call attention to it. Like, it's not like a cutaway. It's literally a wide shot as people are rushing towards the camera. And uh, it's just very quick. He just stops to help her. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. It's like, he's it's, it's a nice guy. <laughs> on the other end of this train, as everyone is running towards it, the conductor who got attacked is becoming a zombie as... The transformation is so violent. There's, like, Mm -hmm. cracking noises as bones, I guess, are snapping. I don't know why, but (laughs) they must be. There's all these weird noises, and it's just so – it makes me so uncomfortable. It's it's a really good use of sound to kind of lend – because, like we said, the makeup effects are already fantastic. So you add that in with the sound editing, it's really spectacular work. Like we said, these trains are not meant for ease of of travel. So as these transformations happen, it exponentially starts to spread and people are getting fucked up, basically. Uh, Basically, that entire train turns into turns into zombies. But one thing that I thought was really interesting is the way that they get away from it. Group A basically is still together and they realize that the zombies, when they don't see them, completely stop attacking they're like completely vision based basically but it seems like they're also extremely stupid (laughs) they they literally can't figure out how to open doors and so Mm -hmm. what they do is they cover up the little window in between the train cars not that difficult because it's a it's a very tiny window for people who've been on trains you know the one i'm talking about it's very easy she literally just wets some newspaper and puts it up and they stop getting attacked and which i i I thought that was another interesting distinction is that usually in, in zombie movies, it, the the pursuit is sort of endless. They're breaking stuff down all the time. They're constantly like breaking down your fortifications. But with this, it's very much like if you can get to a spot where you're safe, then as long as you're as long as it doesn't break down internally, it should be OK, which mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Yeah, this kind of reminded me, have you seen World War Z with Brad Pitt? Um, I have not seen the whole thing. I saw a little oh, piece of it. Oh, you gotta watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the reason that this reminded me of that movie is because in both of these movies, you learn about the zombies' behavior in them, which I really enjoyed. Like in World War Z, I guess I'm going to spoil it for you. 
But basically, they learn that the zombies don't attack people who have a sickness and because they don't want a host that is sick. Mm. Um, so I like the fact that you learn a little bit about like how to evade them, whether it be visually or being infected with a another disease. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I'll have to check that that movie out i liked the book but i heard the movie was very different um which <sighs> it would have to be but yeah I'll, I'll have to finish watching that at some point point. and listen i'm i'm a huge brad pitt fan so can't be that bad <laughs> he was great <laughs> yeah always and uh, and so they get into this safe area and as far as they know the next station is safe they've been told that that's like where they're going to be dropped off i mean that the military has taken control of the city uh, and everything will be fine there which is you know famous last words everything will be fine as long as we get there our main character the dad he with his big powerful job has you know a bunch of connections and stuff so he reaches out to a lieutenant in the army and he talks to him and basically finds out that everyone who's on the train is going to be put into quarantine Obviously, not something that anyone wants, and especially he doesn't want this because he has a small child with him, and that would be traumatic. You hear that? It would be traumatic to have small children put into cages. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm a lot less subtle with my messaging than, than a lot of movies are. I just hadn't even made that connection. That is so relevant. <laughs> yeah. And so, so he finds out that if he goes this other way, that he'll be able to just kind of, like, escape into the city and do his own thing. So... Everyone gets off the train, and it looks kind of just like a regular departure. Like, everyone is so bewildered by what's happening that they all just kind of shuffle off and start walking Mm -hmm. towards where they think the military and everything is going to be. Or actually, no, they don't even know that the military is there. So they're just like, all right, I guess we're just here now. Everyone go off. Yeah. (laughs) In my head, I was like, they know they were... I mean, I guess not all of them know that they were attacked, but there are the TVs on the train and everything that report the riots and uh, and everything. So their behavior was a little bizarre to me, but I guess at that level, you're probably just in shock. Yeah. (laughs) And as the dad and the little girl are going their own way, the homeless guy sees them and he's like, hey, I'm going to come with you. I heard your call. I know that everyone else is going to be taken into military custody. And... He's like, he's trying to talk him away from it, but while they're having their conversation, this movie does a lot of kind of like A and B group stuff where you kind of cut back and forth between different groups of survivors, which is also another dynamic that I really like because it stops you from getting like too bored. Like I like the nice little check-ins with the other group. I like it too. (laughs) It also, I think it gives you a chance obviously to learn more about each group so you get little snippets of who each main character is. Yeah, it it definitely lets you understand the dynamic, but that will be happening when they're back together, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The new group B, which is basically everyone who was on the train, they're doing various ways of getting out of the building. They're taking the stairs, they're going down these escalators. And I really love this scene. They really... (laughs) take their time (laughs) it's it's like it's just like a wide shot you see people going down these escalators and slowly you see the military outfits and you're like oh they're all just kind of milling about something is very wrong here and Mm -hmm. it turns out that it is just another huge group of zombies and 
I swear, I'm already, like, a little nervous about taking escalators just because I'm like, what if I don't get off in time and I look weird stepping off? <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm telling you, this, travel is stressful. Yeah, and this is a whole other level. They're, they're like, having to run back up. So, obviously, the zombies all attack as they see this huge horde of, of survivors walking towards them. And, look... I'm not saying that the people who are on the stairs have it better by a huge amount, but at least they have a little room to maneuver and can there. It's not actively taking them towards the teeth. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. These people on the escalators <laughs> are in the most confined quarters possible. It's literally shuffling them towards their doom. <laughs> it's like, tr- it's, yeah, it's so stressful to watch where you're just like, God, they're in the worst situation possible. <laughs> Um, and so they're, they're all running, they're running back up the way that they came. And it's like this huge, this huge horde. It's, it's another riot, basically. It's just a huge group of people running. And, and the dad and the little girl and the homeless guy, they see some zombies start to come in from the other side. So they're purely trapped and they are running away, but the dad gets attacked while they're doing this. He's kind of tussling with one of these zombies and as as they're Wait, during this like whole zombie attack, they're at one point Suan and her dad are at, like fifty feet apart or something, mm-hmm. and a zombie is like just about to get her. And as that's happening, the pregnant father. The, oh, um, uh, Sang Hua. Sang Hua. So Sang Hua saves the day, and like I think he punches the zombie. Oh yeah, this <laughs> like, guy away from her. This is, uh, he's got some crazy fight skills. Oh, yeah. No, he doesn't need weapons. He just uses his fists. <laughs> yeah, they never they never explain, like, what his job is, but he is, first and foremost, a professional ass kicker, clearly. <laughs> Definitely. So he punches the zombie away, and then his pregnant wife saves Suan, and they, like, run away with her, and it was just really telling of their character that they cared for this little girl and saved her when her dad, like, couldn't get to her in time. That actually also reminds me of something that I missed that I wanted to bring up. This is another one of those moments where they reinforce the message. Seok Wu is talking to Suan where he's trying to explain to her like why they he doesn't want this homeless guy to come with them. And he says, at times like this, only think about yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's such a stark comparison between him and this other family, who is is clearly very compassionate. Their interactions on the train show a great relationship between them. And I gotta say, there's great chemistry between the two actors, because it really, I think that they do a really convincing job of portraying this relationship. Yeah. So Seok Wu is like, oh, only think about yourself. And it's the kind of thing where it's such bad advice, because it sounds like good advice. <laughs> Like mm-hmm. it, the only reason that that it would be good advice to think for your uh, think about yourself first is because everyone else already thinks that that's how people are thinking, and, and I think that this is sort of again talking about the attitude. It, everything is so cutthroat, mm-hmm. you know. I kind of think that's how people naturally are in crisis situations like this, though. Like. Mm. I was kind of thinking about that while watching the movie that it was so realistic with how everybody was treating each other. Right. Um, Like obviously watching the movie, you want to be optimistic and be like, Oh, they're saving each other and helping each other. But thinking realistically, I kind of feel like a lot of people would be in the mindset of looking out for themselves or maybe that's just me, but I know I I think that you're right, but I think that that's part of the problem. And I think that that's kind of what he's trying to address here is that, you know, it's true that that is 
probably the way that people act, but mm-hmm. so much bad stuff that's, happens yeah. because yeah. that's the attitude that everyone has. Where if people were looking out for each other, everyone can, you know, lend a hand and, and kind of make things a little easier to get by. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's a very relevant message today. I mean, this yeah. movie only came out in 2016, but, you know, there's late stage capitalism and everyone is, it doesn't matter how many disadvantages you have, it's your own fault for not being able to pull yourself up. And mm-hmm. I, I think that that really comes across in this this sort of indictment of that as an attitude. It, it's explicitly spelled out by this dad that like, oh, you like you should only look for, think about yourself. But as he goes through this transformation through the movie, he begins to understand where the cracks in that in that philosophy are, which I think is, is a nice a nice message. I, I don't think that it's the deepest message to be like, hey, everyone be nice to each other, <laughs> but <Sure>. not not <laughs> everything needs to be insanely deep, especially when I think we could all stand to hear that message a little more. So like you said, he's being attacked by the zombie and the other couple rescue Suan as they're running away. And it looks like it's lights out for uh, Seok Wu. But boy, this homeless guy, he just knows all the tricks. <laughs> he, <laughs> he runs past him and he puts a bag that I don't know where he got this like canvas bag from, but he puts a canvas bag <laughs> over the zombie's head and it starts stumbling around, unable to see again. And finally the dad, Seok Wu, is running towards where everyone else was going. And I really like this shot here because it's and it, it's a very nice comparison between the way that Seok Wu was trying to close the door on the pregnant couple prior on the actual train mm-hmm. and the fact that despite that and despite yeah. their the friction between uh, these two groups that has already been there that sang and Seong Kyung they hold the door open for him and they they still let him come through they show a lot of compassion towards him as well towards someone who wasn't who was actively shitty towards them as everyone is sort of running down there's like a small group of of men who are kind of holding the the door shut to give people as much time as possible to escape and it's it's like the the baseball team and Sanghua and Seokyu basically they're all holding it shut everyone else is running to the train but it's it's not enough the zombies break through because there's just so many of them and just destroy this baseball team basically they're definitely going to need to hold tryouts next year <laughs> They're screwed. Like, this whole team just immediately decimated. And these are athletes. They're people who are ostensibly in fighting shape. (laughs) And uh, Mm -hmm. it just kind of gives you, like, another hint of, like, how unstoppable this force is. And Sokwu... Oh, one thing we haven't mentioned yet is that these zombies are fast. Oh, yeah. They're not, they're not shambling. Uh, yeah. They are, they're Fast real zombies cool. are scary zombies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the zombies are pursuing the last three survivors down the hallway towards the train. There's one baseball player left named Young Guk. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. And so they're all running and they managed to get onto the train, but they're split up now. So it's like these three and the other bunch of people who are all together. Basically, they're trapped again. The conductor is like, hey, uh, we heard that Busan is a quarantine zone, so that's where we're going, because here is fucked. <laughs> and uh, they're getting ready to go, and there's a really another really awesome scene. The, this train station is just awesome from top to bottom, basically, because there's so much good stuff happening in terms of the action, and 
at one point, all the zombies are just, like, leaning on a window from the second story, and the pressure of them is enough that they just crash through and, like, start, like, falling on top of the train, and it looks awesome. It's so cool. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I really didn't see that coming. I know that it makes sense in terms of physics, but... um, (laughs) I feel like you just don't usually see that sort of thing in movies. And so I literally like jumped and said, oh shit, when they started falling off the top of the <laughs> No, it's, it's definitely impressive and it's really scary when just a horde of zombies breaks through an entire glass window. Like, Yeah, definitely. They get the train rolling and the two groups are, they want to reunite basically. The group with Sue Ann and the pregnant mother, and there's a handful of other people there, they actually don't know that anyone else is alive they weren't able to communicate but they get a hold of each other i think that they're like hiding in a bathroom in car 13 of course mm-hmm. number 13. <laughs> <laughs> so finally they get a hold of them on the phone the group with siok Wu and baseball Sa- kid yes yep. they're they're in, in number nine and yep. in between them each of the cars is filled with zombies <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so it's not it's not a good look for our our intrepid heroes here they start making their way up and there's a really really awesome fight scene in one of the trains where they're just kind of kicking ass and taking names at one point <laughs> i really uh, love this scene it was yeah. just like a zombie fight montage kind of it, the music was kind of like upbeat and it was just yeah. kind of like really fun to watch it, it felt like a really nice catharsis moment where you're like yeah. yes finally like we have the upper hand <laughs> um <laughs> It makes you feel good. Like they're handling it pretty well. They're protected uh, marginally by like athletic tape, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and Sanghua has a riot shield as well, which is nice for him. So they they have this really awesome fight scene, and they're forcing their way up. I mean, it takes a while, but. They, long story short, I mean, I'm going to compress a little bit of the movie here because there's a lot of really tense moments as they make their way up. But basically they find out that they have all these tunnels where it becomes dark in the train and the zombies don't see them. So they can use that to their advantage to kind of make their way forward. They get together and there's a really awesome reunion scene here. They have to be like sort of quiet because they're still, they, in order to get to the, the tertiary group full of the, the rest of the survivors, uh, right now it's just the homeless guy, the girl who has a crush on the baseball player, Seong Kyung, and, and the daughter, Suan. So they have to be quiet because there's still zombies between them and the other group. Suan and her father are clearly relieved to see each other, but there's still a really significant distance between them. She's happy to see him, but it, I mean, they're not they're not on good terms right now. And you contrast that to to Sang Hua without talking. I started like tearing up at their reunion a little bit. They, they just like are looking at each other and they're like they're so happy and relieved to see each other. And it's so nice. And the, like it really works to have that comparison between the two. Mm-hmm. So I definitely wanted to give a shout out to that. Like I said, the, the chemistry between those two actors was really good. And I really I bought the relationship. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, they do manage to make their way to the third group but this group is so heated up basically and and well, riled so up they weren't the they weren't until the villain rich ceo or coo guy tells everyone that they might be infected and then everybody freaks out and that's when they're super hostile 
Well, it's true, but even prior to that, they had taped up the like window yeah. and were pretending like they weren't even there. Like they were all being quiet in the in the car and just trying to make sure that the people weren't weren't there. But mm-hmm. obviously there was nothing else for this group to do. And so what they do is they literally are, like start breaking in the window so that they can get into this car. Mm-hmm. And as they start forcing their way through, it becomes obvious that the people are in fact in there. So they start trying to stop them from getting in, again sort of led by this rich guy and uh, and the conductor who very much he seems like a really nervous guy and so he kind of just listens to whatever the the rich guy says because he's like oh like someone's taking charge so i'll just do what he says Mm -hmm. and so they they force their way into the car and like you said this rich guy is like oh like it's possible that they're infected and they don't even like check them for bites or anything they're just like no like get out of here get out of here like go to the go to the other vestibule and Mm -hmm. the vitriol in their faces while they're like literally like screaming at this group. Yeah. And you think about what it would look like if you saw in real life, three beat up young professional looking dudes, a pregnant lady, a little girl and a homeless guy. And they're all yeah. just being screamed at by this group. Oh my God. Like, it was so heartbreaking watching that. Yeah. And it's, it's people that you had sort of seen throughout this entire movie. And so you're like, oh man, like any goodwill that I felt towards these people, like they're so quick to turn on them um, yeah. because they're scared. It's like, it's it's understandable, but you hate that you understand it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was very realistic and human, but yeah, definitely right. really sad. Basically they, they do in fact force everyone, our main group into the vestibule and they're all like, oh great, we're all going to be safe now. But one of the women that I mentioned earlier, there's the, the two older sisters, they have kind of had recurring roles. They're not, I would never call them main characters, but they definitely have more lines than any of the other like extras or anything. They're just bit, mm-hmm. bit roles. I actually um, love these characters. They are fun. I just think they're like the cutest old ladies and yeah. like their relationship between each other you get to see throughout the movie. They just kind of like bicker with each other and yeah. it's just like adorable. Yeah, it, it is. It's very cute. And they have like a nice interaction with Sue Ann earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. At one point, the sisters got separated. One of them is basically just despondent sitting in this train with all the people who kicked our main group out. And she actually sees her sister in the, like, masses of of the zombies. And she's like, you know what? None of this matters. Like, what are we doing? (laughs) We're all all fucked Mm -hmm. anyway. And so she opens the door to be with her sister. And when I was first watching this, I have to admit that I did not like that she did that. Um, I thought that it was... I don't want to say, like, fucking stupid, but like, <laughs> but I was like, I, I didn't think that anyone would act that way. But the more that I kind of sat with it and thought about it, I've been thinking, I literally have been thinking about this movie all day. <laughs> I was like, you know what? In the face of, of what that they've been through, you know, she's already on the older side. Uh, yeah. She was also, like, she she lost her sister that she clearly had this yeah. intense relationship with. It's, it's a little... She hates the people that she's on the car with. They just <laughs> yes, stunned another group so. of people. <laughs> and so you, you kind of do begin to understand where she's coming from. It's still, it still feels very extreme, but it's a little more understandable when you kind of sit with yeah. her a little bit. I mean, she definitely killed, like, a whole car of 30 other people, but... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. So to make a long story short, the zombies do kill the rest of the passengers there, basically. But the train conductor and the rich guy manage to bar themselves in a bathroom and avoid the onslaught. So, of course, the worst guy is the one who survives. (laughs) (laughs) And so as they're on their way to Busan, they are crossing through another train station that was like along the path and it's blocked. The track is blocked. And so the conductor is like, you know what? I'm running across to this other train. If you can get there, great. Hop on board. I'll see you there. But if you don't, like I'm leaving. I hope you survive. And so... This kind of puts a timer, like, this gets the intensity going back because they're like, all right, we have to cross over this uh, wide open area without, like, attracting anyone from this train full of zombies. (laughs) Literally, they're all pressing up against the windows and everything, and it's really awesomely shot there. They look very gross, kind of leaning up and packed in there, and they're all being real sneaky and everything, and it's going well. But one thing that I I hated, this was something very small, but I but I was like, oh, that this bastard, the rich guy, as he's escaping and trying to get across, everyone else closed the door behind them so that the zombies Mm -hmm. wouldn't get out, and this guy just left his door open, and so. It kind of causes, yeah. Oh my god! Every time I was like, "This motherfucker." Uh, it was it was very frustrating to watch this guy because you're just like God. He really is just like the worst. Every wrong decision that he could make, mm-hmm. he's making it. But you realize that again, this is all kind of he's thinking about himself. He's very selfish. It's not. It, it's again just kind of hitting that messaging where it's like mm-hmm. this. You're supposed to hate this guy so so much. Yeah. Well, then um, he even starts like literally sacrificing people for himself. Yeah. Yes, and so throwing as, other people. As at he uh, as he gets back to them, he literally throws the girl who had the crush on the baseball player. Literally throws her at a zombie. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like, it's so horrible. It, it's so horrible, and she gets eaten and. The baseball player is, like, is distraught, and so he's, like, sitting there crying as she dies, and she turns into the zombie in his arms and bites him and just devours him on the ground there. It's really brutal, and you're just like, this guy, like, it's it's literally all his fault. Every, every bad thing that we witness, pretty much, could have been stopped by not listening to this guy. Yeah. They all get to another train. But while they're, like, getting on the train, there's another zombie, and so the homeless man sacrifices himself to let Sue Ann and pregnant woman get onto the train. And it's a very nice sacrifice. It does sort of leave me like, oh, I wish we had gotten to know a little bit more about this guy. But it's still, it's like, he, he serves his purpose. He, he gets them through. The rich guy had gotten bit in the in the process of, of getting over here. And mm-hmm. so he's like in the like train conductor's car, turning into a zombie. Again, just like, oh, I, I like help me, help me, help me. And and he's constantly just thinking about himself again. He knows that he's screwed. He's seen what happens. But in what I think was a really interesting departure from kind of what happens with the rest of the people, um, this rich guy sort of regresses into like a child, basically, mm-hmm. as he approaches our group begging uh, for them to help him yeah and, I actually thought that part was super creepy because he's like half zombie half not zombie like yeah. begging and like 
his voice was really strange and creepy and the whole part mm. it was just really scary to watch yeah and and like he, yeah he's putting on this like little kid voice and he's like oh please help me my uh, like i don't know where i am my i live in busan here's my address and it's like oh my god what's happening with this guy it, it is it's very it's very intense pretty frightening but he finally turns into a zombie and attacks them and siok Wu fights him off he but he's bitten in the process you know, this poor guy, he, he went through so much. He had a, he had a real change of heart in one day, which is very impressive. It was all for naught, basically, because uh, he does die in the end. But it's a very noble sacrifice. He put the, the daughter and the pregnant woman into the engine room, and he basically is like, all right, here's the brakes. Stop it when you get to the next place. And he says goodbye. And this farewell is just heart-wrenching it's so (laughs) sad and it's so sad george i don't know if you like typically cry during movies but like i cry it's weird i don't cry a lot in real life but i'll cry at the drop of a hat for a movie oh really okay i was i'm actually kind of the opposite i like don't really i mean i don't cry too much in real life but i also don't really cry a lot in movies especially not horror movies oh yeah and like this one got me like, yeah, I was, I was like, uh, sobbing. I was, I was tearing up, and, and, like, the kid is just howling. She's got oh some God, real yeah. pipes on her, and she is yeah. screaming at the top of them. And yeah, it's it was so, so sad. sad. It's just, like, this wordless howl of, like, despair. <laughs> well, because and, throughout the movie, we, like, get from her that she just doesn't want her dad to leave her. She needs him there. And then, like, at this point there's no choice like he has to go and she just has to say goodbye and it's just right. it's so sad yeah and, and it's funny because all those times she didn't want him to go but like at the very beginning she was like stay here i'll go by myself i don't give a shit <laughs> yeah but yes it's it's this very intense farewell and uh he locks them in there and he goes to the back of the train and there's this very nice little, like, oh, I'm thinking about her being born, and it's, like, the last thing I'm going to think of before I die. And then he he falls from the train in a very artistic, very artistic shot where it's just the shadow falling off. And, uh, and it was really nice. I liked it a lot. And I thought this was a really good goodbye scene, which is not something that's easy to do. Usually they feel very fake, and this yeah. does not. Yeah. No, I think it felt that way because they gave him such a great character development where yes. you start off like just really hating him and he's the horrible dad. And then like, you know, we go through the development and he starts saving people and being there for his daughter and then unfortunately has to say goodbye anyway. Uh, yeah, It makes you really care about him. Definitely. One other thing that I, I did forget to mention, but that I just saw in my notes, I wrote exploding train. <laughs> exploding. Oh, the one on fire? Yes, literally at one point, a train that is is just a flame, just the entire top of it is fire, <laughs> and it <laughs> comes out of nowhere, and I mm-hmm. laughed so hard. I you laughed? I laughed. I was like, what the hell is this fiery train coming from? <laughs> hell. Yeah, it's it's that's the crazy train that Ozzy was saying about, and um, <laughs> it gets there and it explodes and causes a big situation. But uh, it wasn't a big enough situation. We stopped for it. So there you go. Watch the movie yourself if you want to see that scene. The only people who are left are the are the daughter Sue Ann uh, and the pregnant woman, and they're they get they the train finally stops. 
and they get off at Busan, and they walk into this pitch-black train tunnel. It's very nice, very symbolic. They wander into the darkness. They don't know what they're going to do. And on the other end is some soldiers stationed to defend a perimeter that they've set up. So they actually are like in charge of this area. They've managed to kind of suppress the zombie outbreak there. So you're like, oh, they're so close. They, they only have this tunnel to go. And as they're walking down, the military guys uh, can't tell if they're humans or zombies, and so they get ready to shoot them. And you're like, they're not going to do it, right? They're, like, there's no way they do it. And they, it oh, really... Oh, my God. Worked. I was so nervous that it was going to be, like, have you seen The Night of the Living Dead? Yes, I have. It, yeah, it, I thought it was going to be that kind of ending. <laughs> it totally could have been. I really thought that it might. I also uh, recently rewatched The Mist, and so I was like... Oh, my God. Is this going to be, like, the Mist ending, where they're like, oh, they're five feet from freedom, and now they're dead. Everybody's um, dead. <laughs> but luckily for us, uh, that's not the case. The the little girl, Sue Ann, is singing, sadly, the song that she had wanted to perform for her father at the recital that he missed. Ooh, full circle, you see? <laughs> and uh, and it's, you know, the song is also very symbolic, where it's about uh, until we meet again. It's it's all very tidy, which I it quite enjoy. That part also really made me cry. It was so sad. <laughs> It, yeah, it, it is very sad. It, she's This kid is a really good actor. It's very impressive. And so that's that singing is how they tell that they're human. And the, they're like, oh, great, it's survivors coming in. And finally, the movie ends with them being taken into uh, this military encampment. Like I said, very tidy, very neat. Something that I enjoy. It's not, it kind of leaves it open to a sequel, which I know there is a Train to Busan 2 being made. But it also definitely feels like their story is over. Mm-hmm. It's very succinct. It was, I mean, this is not that long of a movie, but it, like we got to experience it. It was great. Now for Train to Busan 2, we can check something else out to see how other people are dealing with it. Mm-hmm. So that's the plot of the movie. For someone who's just listening to it, if you haven't seen the movie, it might sound like it's almost like two bare bones of a plot, but I promise you it's not. It really, it works really well. We kind of glossed over some stuff just because yeah. it, there's a lot of action in it. But a should, lot to explain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and so I definitely recommend going and checking this one out yourself. I know uh, some of the other ones that we talked about are a little easier to just kind of understand what's happening through description, but definitely check this one out. A lot of people saw this movie. It actually is the the sixth highest grossing domestic South Korean movie of all time, which is very nice for them. Good for you. (laughs) You know, we've gone through this and we're hitting this message where, listen, I'm not a religious guy, but one of the few quotes from the Bible that uh, has always really stuck with me is, uh, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul in the process? And I think that that is, is very much with what's going on here where the father is you know he's very rich he can afford to go out and get a wee at the drop of a hat so that he can you know get it for a present for his daughter something we can only hope of yes exactly oh man i would love to do that (laughs) but at the end like you said he's gone through this character development where he understands a little more what's important in life at the end of the day it's it's a very nice it's very sweet message which is also i think pretty atypical for a horror movie how do you feel about kind of coming away from this movie and to have this message here yeah i mean it's something that i hadn't thought about the first time that i watched it but definitely the second time that i watched it it came through a lot more 
and especially talking about it tonight, the theme of like every man for himself is, you know, not the way to go is, I'd say, like a pretty relevant theme these days. And one thing that we actually kind of skipped, I don't know if you remember the scene in the movie when Siak Wu is on the phone with, I guess it's his business partner. And the business partner is telling him like, it's from this plant that we were like involved with, with in business with, and like, it's all our fault. And Siak Wu is like, no, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. Like we did what we were supposed to do. And so this is when you find out that it like kind of is their fault that this zombie outbreak is happening. Yeah. And then you literally see Siak Wu washing the blood off of his hands, which I don't know if that was like too over the head with the symbolism, but like, no, it really no, got me. It. And I was, yeah, yeah and I was it's very like, Lady Macbeth. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, wow, like, this is tidy, like you said, like, we learn um, about this, about Siok Wu, who is so concerned with himself and his business and just taking care of himself during this crisis. And then through this development, we learn that this was kind of all his fault. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, I do really like that scene that you brought up. Uh, I think it's great. He does, uh, for just so that you're not like, oh, he literally is just like, oh, I don't feel bad about this. He does cry as he's washing the blood off. Yeah. <laughs> um, so he is sad about causing the zombie apocalypse. But uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it, it's a great scene. And, and yeah, I agree that they, they do a nice job with it. Kira, I mean, we, we've talked about why this is a good horror movie but why do you think this is the best horror movie ever made the best the best Um, okay so i think we've already hit on a lot of these points the filming is just amazing like the makeup also we didn't mention how you kind of talked about how the posture of the zombies is like very animalistic and um, just like horrifying I thought it was amazing that they got so many people that could move that way. Like, I don't know if that's like mostly CGI, whatever actors actually did move like that. Like they're amazing. And they got a lot of them to do it. I think so. Yeah. I I hadn't really considered that, but you're right that the entire group really does a good job of feeling not uniform as in like they all look the same, but like they feel like they are the same thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was super impressive. We've already talked about how the acting, especially from the little girl Suan, was amazing. So all of that put together makes like a really well done movie. I'm already biased in that zombie movies are my favorite. So that already bumps it up on my list. And then this movie just like made me sob at the end, which is (laughs) super uncommon for horror movies. So I really liked how it just made you really care about the main characters And so when, you know, tragedy struck and they lost um, the dad and had to say goodbye, like it really made you care about it and made it more impactful. And so I just like that it gave a lot of different a lot of different ups and downs throughout the movie. Yeah, I think you're totally right. Uh, To me, this is the best horror movie of all time because it it hits these emotional beats that are so uncommon for a horror movie. Uh, It's it's crazy that like you said that this this is a horror movie that made us cry and tear up and like that's that's so rare and mm-hmm. for that to happen in the same movie that also puts you on edge and is genuinely frightening at moments it's such a unique Venn diagram that i think is really it's not something that we're going to see again I, I i don't even know honestly how they'll possibly recapture this for the sequel there's an american mm-hmm. remake that's coming out this feels like such a lightning in a bottle movie because we talked how good um, the actor who plays Sue Ann is, but 
everyone is is good in this movie and yeah yeah there there I don't know who in America they would be able to get to cover this entire cast because there's a handful of people who all get a pretty decent amount of development there's the dad the daughter the pregnant couple the two sisters the rich guy the conductor the homeless guy who mm-hmm. like the amount of development that they all get is significant where in the American version, they have to be played by someone who people know, kind of like it, it, it doesn't seem like the kind of thing that producers would put like nobodies into. But sure. are they going to be able to afford that? Like these are just these are people that we don't know. And I believe that they are not like huge stars in South Korea either. And so like it, it's just it feels like such a unique thing that they managed to pull off that I'm not sure that it's going to be able to happen again. With the yeah, American just like a perfect storm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so the fact, all the things that you said are 100% true. I agree with all of them. The fact that it's this unique situation, to me, that makes this absolutely the best horror movie of all time. It's great. Everyone should go see it. It's or not even go see it. It's on Netflix. Literally just sit on your couch and watch <laughs> it. Um, just put it on. <laughs> yeah. Kira, this was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the movie. Thank you for recommending it. And I also enjoyed our right. conversation. Um, Yay, me too. Do you have anything that you want to plug? Yes, best movie ever. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, feel free to, I know uh, you're not like super on social media even, but (laughs) if there's anything that you want to shout out, even if it's just uh, something you like that you want people to check out. Ooh, I have been on the biggest crime junkie kick. Um, It's another podcast. They talk about true crime um, I might have told you about this a couple of weeks ago. I was telling you that I was going crazy because I was listening to right. true crime. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I'm still on that kick. Great. But yeah, it's called Crime Junkie and it's awesome. So Great. everyone check out that podcast as well. As far as my plugs, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gerg Hef. That's G-E-R-G-H-E-F. You can also follow along the show on Twitter. That's at Little Horror P-H-L. Other than that, not really much. I mean, you can follow us along on Letterboxd too. But yeah, look forward to more of this coming out. I think that you might actually be one of the last episodes of the season. So we'll probably be taking a little break after this one. But definitely, people, we hope you come back for season two. We got a lot more best movies ever made to talk about, despite uh, (laughs) despite my insisting that each one that we talk about is is that. So come on back. (laughs) Thanks again, Kira. Thanks.